Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. Sometimes what arises in meditation will not be relaxing at all. Sometimes it can bring up quite a lot of fear. So if you have a picture that meditation is about relaxing, then if that kind of fear comes up, you're either going to turn away from it or stop meditating entirely in order to not experience it. These days, there's meditation for just about anything. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to introduce you to meditation, what it is, and just as important, what it is not. Because even if you've been exposed to a lot of meditation teachings and practices, you may find that you're sharing in the vast amounts of confusion there is in our world about it. So I know that some of you already have a meditation practice, but I urge you to keep going because there's a good chance you were taught badly how to meditate or you weren't given the entire picture. How do I know? Because I spent 20 years thinking I knew how to meditate and what meditation was. And when I learned that I actually didn't, well, I was more than a little disappointed. And I don't want you to go two decades building bad habits as well. So keep listening. I offer weekly member webcasts, online courses, and mentorship at clearandopen.com because it's my truth that with the right tools, anyone can eliminate the people, money, and time problems holding them back in business. And I share parts of these webcasts and courses on this show because I want to help you too. If you're enjoying the show and learning from it, I'd love your feedback. If you're listening to the show on an Apple device, all you have to do is open the podcast app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review for the show. Thanks so much for listening. Let's begin. So I consider uh, that we're creating this together. And that's not just like a nice sounding concept. Uh, Those of you who've hung around me for a while know that I will completely drop whatever topic that was scheduled for the day if something compelling arises out of you. So that's to me my job is to respond to whatever is arising to respond to the interest now if you want to talk about the who invented liquid soap and why i might not derail the whole conversation for something like that it sort of depends but what i find is the what most needs to be talked about is not over here it's there And so while I'm really good at filling space and saying interesting things for long periods of time, you guys know what is more relevant uh, more often than not. So I can't tell you how many times where I'll be in a moment where I have no idea what to talk about next, or my mind will just go blank, and then someone will ask a question, it will be just the absolute perfect thing. So if you uh, feel like you have a question, please don't hesitate your question more than likely will not only help other people in the room, but it may even help me in that moment if I don't know what to say next. It may be that the whole room is waiting for you to speak. Uh, Related to that, with very few exceptions, let me just say it as an absolute statement. You always get to interrupt me. 
if we're doing a guided meditation and we'll do some of those probably, um, that's a little different. You can feel that out, but you always get to interrupt me. Uh, and if I see you unmute yourself or you start to speak, I, you know, maybe a third of the time I might go like this just so I can finish the thought and then I'll go, we'll go right to you. Okay. So we don't have 10 hours to undo all of our educational conditioning where the teacher at the head of the room is so important and powerful that you never get to interrupt them. And, you know, all of that, you know, insert 10 hours of deconditioning about that, right? I'm, I'm here to serve you and your process. I'm um, looking at my logistics notes here. Uh, while you do get to interrupt me uh, whenever you want, uh, I, it's important to not be disruptive. This is a fair amount of people in the room, and we're doing this with everyone's video, in which you don't have to do that. But it's not okay to be turning your video on and off because it rearranges all the boxes. And that's like, you know, might potentially a useful cognitive dissonance moments. I mean, that could actually enlighten someone, maybe. But it can distract people and it certainly can distract me. So if you're going to use video, have it on. If you have to turn it off because, you know, your dog knocks the camera off, the knocks the phone off your counter or something, okay. But either be here all the way or, or, or don't be. Um, and listen to the recording or, or whatever. Just watch that, please. And now a few things about uh, how to relate to this course. Look at dog. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> As if on cue, Mojo shows up. That's the name of that dog. Um, how to relate to this course. So uh, we have some advanced meditators in the room here. And uh, some people who've uh, not meditated hardly at all ever, and also some people not here who will be listening to the recordings. So, um, a bit of uh, my teaching philosophy. I, you know, there's basically two approaches to teaching anything. You can try to teach people something in a really super accessible, introductory way that. Uh, makes it super engaging and easy for them at the expense of risking them learning bad habits and never really getting what it's about. Or you can not do that. I've learned best by not doing that. I've learned best by learning things the, the right way, the complete way, with the advanced way in mind from the very beginning. That's and when I haven't learned that way, because, you know, how do you know better in the beginning? What I found is I've spent a lot of time unlearning those bad habits. I'm sure every single one of you can relate to that. There was something where you learned something and you thought it was the right way. And then you realized that it was the dilute, diluted, dumbed down beginner way. And then you had to unlearn it and then learn it the advanced way, right? And I hate that. Personally, I think it's terrible. So we could talk for hours about which is better um, because there's pros and cons to both approaches. But in the case of meditation especially, uh, and that's what we'll talk about a bit today, I see a lot of deep, deep bad habits that get developed that I had for like 20 years. I did not learn how to meditate until like the last couple of years. I thought I knew how for the two decades previous. So that kind of pisses a part of me off. And I, I think that's terrible. 
Um, so, and that's generally my style in general is to um, start with the whole thing and make it as accessible as possible. So we're going to start with some pretty basic stuff and beginner stuff, um, but it's going to be with the whole in mind. And that's why the title of the course is Meditation for Awakening. And I'm going to talk about that in a second. We're going to get into to, uh, what that means. Um, a couple other uh, notes. Do the assignments. Do the assignments. Not because I say so, but because if you don't do the assignments, this will be a completely mental exercise. Um, you cannot meditate by thinking about meditation. You can try. You can try as... Uh, my friend here, Jenna, who knows, uh, she's the one who taught me the, the phrase, thinking about not thinking. And a lot of people meditate by thinking about not thinking, and they think they're meditating. I used to be one of those people. So if you do the assignments, something will happen for you in these next 11 or 12 weeks. And that's what I'm really wanting to be the case. I'm wanting this to be an experiential learning. Uh, because if there's one thing that is certain about Zen, and there are plenty of things that are not, that it's about your direct experience and, and nothing else. And you will not have a direct experience of what meditation is about if you don't meditate. <laughs> one of the great things about Zen is sometimes it just has these beautifully inarguable statements, right? In order to experience the benefits of meditation, you have to meditate. Thinking about meditation, wishing you were meditating more, wondering what, what will ha have to happen so that you meditate one day. None of that will cause you to experience the benefits. In fact, it'll cause you to experience guilt and shame and resentment even. So what's the point of meditation? Why are, why are we here? Why are you here? For some reason, you wanted to learn about meditation. I'm here to teach the class, so that's I've, I don't have to think that deeply about it. But why are you here? And some of you have heard me ask this question, what's the point of meditation? So maybe you, uh, quote, know the answer. But what I would love to elicit for a few minutes here is the conditioning we have about meditation. Because the majority of what learning to meditate is is actually, a, it, it's about subtraction. And a big part of what that subtraction is, is subtracting your ideas about what med meditation is, which are quite insidious. Because even someone who's never meditated regularly at all, or maybe never meditated at all, has ideas about what it is. And those ideas are remarkably insidious. Like, I'm trying to think of, I can't even think of a metaphor that is equal to how destructive ideas about meditation, much less enlightenment, are. They're so powerful. They, I mean, my idea about meditation 25 years ago stopped me from meditate, meditating regularly for 25 years. That's how powerful it was. And if you'd asked me, well, where did you get those ideas? I don't even know if I could have told you. I sort of made it up. So what are your ideas about meditation? Let's talk about that. Some of them may be dead on and others may be completely delusional. You can't lose because the delusional ones 
will be really helpful to lose. And the dead on ones will we can validate. So I think it um, calms a busy mind. Perfect. That's, I'd say, the number one. If we were on the family feud, that would be the number one answer. Number one, yeah, Bob's seconding that, right? Calming the mind, emptying the mind, uh, not thinking. And we, we talked about that just a minute ago, the, the, the uh, thinking about not thinking. Where did we get that idea? Right? It's hard to put our fingers on. Monks like, are always calm. What? What about that? Ducks? Monks are always calm. They said ducks. Which also works, yeah. Monks that yeah, right. You you see a monk on TV or you know at a tour or whatever, and they seem very calm. And we just imagine like, well, they must not be thinking very much, right? They've got clear minds, and they may even want you to believe that, right? How long has any of you successfully stopped your mind from thinking? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> no time at all. A minute. A second. Yeah. That's a really interesting one. I'm trying to see where to start here. It's not really enough to say that you can't stop your mind from thinking. It's useful to have that as a belief that you cannot stop your mind from thinking. What part of what you learn in the course of meditation is to actually you have that experience. So, right, I can say you can't stop your mind from thinking, but like how much effort have you really put into it? Have you put in like a hundred hours of work trying to figure out if you could stop your mind from thinking? Probably nobody has, right? So you can't really be sure. So if you can't really be sure, then it's just a belief. And I think what happens for many people is they have this idea that meditation is about stopping your mind. And you can stop your mind for short periods of time, like five seconds, you know, with sort of the initial tier. If you're really in the right circumstances, you may be able to do longer, but then it raises questions like, well, are you really doing that? Or is it just sort of happening as a function of pure grace? But more important than the belief of whether or not you, you can stop your thinking is the experience that you cannot the experience that you cannot. And what's important about that is that when you really experience, when you really get that you can't stop your thinking, something really magical can happen. Because if you cannot stop your thinking, are you responsible for your thoughts? If you can't stop your thinking, it means you're not doing the thinking in the first place, right? Like you didn't start the thinking most of the time. So if I say like, uh, uh, I'm going to have a pizza delivered to your door in the next hour, what would you like on it? Think about that. Now you're thinking. In Buddhism, they call that a productive mind. I've given you a choice, a problem to solve, if you will. And now you're thinking. Your, your, your mind is sorting through all of the possible toppings, maybe even out of the box. I want Cheerios and gummy bears on my pizza. You know, maybe you're thinking really far out of the toppings. Well, I'm sorry I just said that. That was really <laughs> not an appetizing thought. That's productive mind. Now think about 
what percentage of the day you think that intentionally? Where you have a problem in front of you and your mind is like, okay, let's work on that. What percentage of your thoughts are intentional thinking like that? Where you're, the thinking you're having is exactly the kind of thinking you want. Anybody want to hazard a guess? What, what is it for you? What percentage of the time is that? About 10%. Yeah, I think t- five or 10 is what I would say. Uh, I think that's like about, it. yeah, I'm glad you say that because some people, it's, it's important to, you know, if you think it's like greater than 25, then I invite you to pay attention to that. Just notice through the day. That's a really useful exercise. Just look and see how much thinking is having you rather than you having thoughts or creating thoughts. I think for me, it depends on uh, the activity I'm involved in. Right. For sure. If I'm, if I'm in the woods in concentrating on climbing a wall or something like that, I'm more into focusing on that or... You know, obviously, I fly fish. Mm-hmm. Thinking of that, I think a lot more energy goes into that and thinking, and I clear, and it, that's a form of meditation for me. Maybe not so much as an exercise, but it happens that way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's a good thing to notice because um, it is dependent on what you're doing. Often, we're thinking about what we're doing, but then notice how often you're thinking about what you're not doing. Right. I have a funny story this morning. Uh, uh, I was shaving this morning and I have not cut myself shaving, I don't know, a year, maybe longer. It's been a good run. And I, I normally shave every other day, but this is, you know, the first, uh, episode of this course. I was like, all right, well, it's an off day, but I'm going to shave anyway. You know, I want to look my best. And I noticed the sort of subroutine of, I'm shaving in order to look good. This is not a normal shaving day. This is like, oh, I want it to be a good job for the you know video and all that. And then I cut myself. And I just started laughing because that's ego. That's, I want it to be a certain way and then it doesn't work. <laughs> because I was thinking about shaving in a way that was completely unhelpful for the shaving. I don't need to think about that. And then here's some thinking came in like, here, let me help. I didn't ask. I wasn't like, okay, let's do a really good job. The let's do a really good job just showed up. And if I were really present, I would have been like, that's weird. I know how to shave. I don't need that extra attention. But that thinking had me and then I cut myself. And I just thought that's one of the best illustrations of ego I could think of. Don't mess up. Oh. <laughs> where self-consciousness rears its head and reminds us what a problem it is. So notice the difference between one of the most basic things you can do is start to notice the difference between when you're thinking and having useful thinking and thinking you chose to have and all the other times where thinking is having you. Now, in the beginning of meditation, all those thoughts that are having you can be quite distressing because the stiller and quieter you become, the more aware you become of your thoughts. And that's the place where most people bounce off of meditation. They sit still, 
for 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes, whatever. And they just notice thought after thought after thought. And they're generally not so positive. Bad memories, future anxieties, stories about how reality is and how you'd like it to be different. It's just constantly going. And so that idea of having an empty mind is incredibly appealing, isn't it? And we've all had the experience, even if it's just a second or five seconds, sometimes longer. We've had the experience often of having an empty mind and we love it and we want it back. But you can't control it. That's the thing. But again, it's not enough to believe me when I say that. It's something that you want to have the experience of yourself. Because only when you have that experience on many, many times and deeper and deeper and deeper, can you get to what the actual point is of meditation, which is what? To find the meditator and find that it's not there. She's not there. (laughs) (laughs) That's sort of skipping a step, Rebecca. Thank you for that. The... We'll get to, well, let me come back to that and let me push that down the road a minute or two. To realize that you are not your thoughts. To realize that you are not your thoughts. This is the disidentification from mind, not the emptying of it. And that's a critical distinction because if you think that meditation is the emptying of it, you will hate meditation and you will not do it. It would be me 25 years ago. I hated it because my mind was so busy. It still is. It's probably just as busy as it was then. But what's different is that I don't believe it nearly as much. And that's the distinction. It's disidentification from mind, not emptying mind. So Rebecca just gave the quote-unquote answer. There's lots of different ways to talk about what the point of meditation is. And some of them are helpful. Most of them, in my experience, are not. My my favorite answer to that question is to find the meditator and experience that it cannot be found. To find the meditator and experience that it cannot be found. Now, notice how that flies in the face of the most of the conditioning we have about meditation. Meditation is about emptying the mind. Talked about that. Relaxing. Nope. Sometimes meditation is relaxing. It can be a useful place to start by relaxing. But sometimes what arises in meditation will not be relaxing at all. Sometimes it can bring up quite a lot of fear. So if you have a picture that meditation is about relaxing, then if that kind of fear comes up, you're either going to turn away from it or stop meditating entirely in order to not experience it. These days, there's a meditation for just about anything. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, 
Know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. If you want to help the show grow, I'd appreciate you leaving a rating and review on iTunes. All you have to do is open the Apple Podcasts app, view the full description of the episode, and click the link to leave a rating and review. Or you can go to clearandopen.com slash review, and it will bring you to the right place. If you're looking for more support on your journey, head over to clearandopen.com for even more tools, articles, and free resources. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now.